This episode of the Lost King Podcast is brought to you by Chinese New Year. Chinese New Year, celebrating the year of the cock. Welcome to another episode of The Last King. I'm your co-host, Mr. Toffee. And I'm your other co-host. Uh, what should be my moniker this time? I've it should be Lord or Doc. Okay, you changed Doctor, Lord. so now it should be Lord or... Darth. From now on, I shall be Darth Shafiq. <laughs> Darth Shafiq, yes. <laughs> In celebration of the fact that I'm still reeling from, uh, I know, some Star Wars giddiness, I guess. I rewatched like Rogue One again and like, man, I think this movie is going to be the, the one that holds up the best. Out of all the prequels, so it'll be like the best film you saw, and you see, you keep rewatching from 2016, more or less. Nah, it's still not better than Sing Street, though. <laughs> okay, Sing <laughs> that's still, Street. That's okay. still my movie of 2016, and I'm upset because no Oscar snubs. Come on, I mean, oh like, right, not right. even that, for that, best that's song. That's gonna be a topic for another time because I think the Oscars is like a few more weeks ago, weeks again. Once this episode is already out. But I think at the point of this episode, like they've already announced the Oscar nominations. Have you checked it out, Mr. Toffee? Unfortunately, no, I have not. Out of the best picture, like the ones that kind of stand out to me, okay, um, Mel Gibson's latest war flick, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, starring uh, the ex Spider Man, uh, Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. It's about this pacifist who goes to war without a weapon or something. I, I mean, my knowledge only comes from the trailer, but it looks like a proper Mel Gibson epic. Which we haven't seen in a while because there's a lot of blood. I've heard there's a lot of gore in this. Yeah, and like especially like the the last movie did was what Apocalypto, right? Apocalypto, yes. And then before that was probably like Passion of the Christ and everyone Braveheart. knows the Passion of the Christ. But it's nice Mel to Brooks. see the guy like come back get get some work done. I mean, since he can't play Mad Max anymore, I mean he should be directing. His his yeah, films are quite exceptional. There was a movie starring uh where he actually has to have a beaver for a toy stuffed toy and he talks to it for. Anger management and psychosis behavior and stuff, <laughs> which really? is like a self reflection of his back then his uh, outrage and stuff. Did he call the beaver sugar tits? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's definitely beaver. That's for sure. Oh wow. Okay. Well. Uh. Th- besides that, there's this other movie. Uh. Moonlight. Moonlight was also uh, Oscar nominated. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but it's one of the few films that I am really looking forward to catching in the cinema. Yeah. Another movie that's also on is Arrival there because I haven't Arrival. Seen that. Yes, Arrival <laughs> did get a um, nomination. I'm not so sure for best picture, but I'm best sci-fi. Like, I guess. Is there even a category? Best sci-fi? I mean, like, if I want to talk about Arrival, it's not really science fiction. It's more like a story about redemption, a story about loss, a tragic... But it's wrapped... Like, a sci-fi movie is kind of wrapped around it. Like, But the the core of the story is very little to do with sci-fi. I mean, the whole thing... It's still fucking aliens. Of course, it's going to be a sci-fi film. Yeah, I know. All the other stuff, it's all drama, of course. But I would not, like, put it along the same, like, uh, you know... I say tier as something like maybe Alien Nation or Day Live or the thing as like to if me that's sci-fi. If it's the same category, sure, put it in. But it can be a drama. It can be like a slice of life show. It can be Guns Are Blazing. It's still under the sci-fi 
category, shouldn't it? I would say, okay, maybe more like the highbrow sci-fi. But then again, like, even I want to say highbrow sci-fi, then that category would be something like 2001 or even like um, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Like, yeah, you know, that's still sci-fi, dude. But it, they feel, if it was a separate specific category, it will be under movies trying to be Spielbergian but sort of failed. Oh man, like if you want to say Spielberg references, right? Like the the best comparison in this movie, like Arrival, the best movie to compare Arrival to, I'm sorry, is would be like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's literally about a person like trying to communicate with aliens. There you go. And then the the, the, the problem is, right? Like if you want to do that, like then Arrival really falls short of what like, you know, uh, a, a sci-fi movie should, I, I guess... Uh, give you in a sense. I like, really like, should watch this film to actually back it, back up my claims. <laughs> so I've only seen the trailers. People have been telling me to watch it. I've been watching all these other films, uh, La La Land especially. That's that's okay. A good now one. that's a movie I really want to watch, you know, and I didn't have the chance to. See. Uh, but you saw it recently, right? Yeah, it's really really good. Okay, so it's about a guy and a girl who want to make it big in Hollywood, and then they end up together. And you think it's gonna be like a fairy tale kind of show, but it's not. Now this movie is tailored to cater to the golden age of Hollywood where Gene Kelly starts singing in the rain and some shit like that or the West Side Story sort of stuff so La La Land is set in 2000 okay the time when Ish. smartphones were available basically around that time Ish. okay let's just say so the you've iPhone got, so you've got the golden age singing but at the same time people got their smartphones um, don't know why the hell uh, Ryan, Ra- uh, Ryan Gosling's Gosling. character has like the old this and all that because he wants to pay tribute to the jazz guys because he's brought up by the old school jazz kind of folks and he wants to open up his own bars so it's a, it's so, a really right. cool tale yeah it's a really lovely tale good music but I felt that it coming out during December it just felt a bit too convenient it's like it's just trying to be there for the Oscars I mean, as, a lot of movies just is. came out in December. Like I mean, like we just mentioned Arrival. Arrival is definitely the kind of movie like, okay, shouldn't this? I mean, it will not. It was m- like September, October in America, but for yeah. La La Land, this is like targeted for those people who want to look back at nostalgia, i.e., Oscar guys who are pretty old. The Academy are judging films, yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so the members of the like Academy, that. right? So this it is true Oscar bait. No, no, but it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. Love the ending, everything, but. Yeah, you can't help but feel it's like I say same feeling with Overwatch. Like you know, it's manufactured for that. You know, how can you compare La La Land to Overwatch? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it all goes it's hate, hate, hate. Not really hate lah. More like uh, disingenuity just com- connects everything all together somehow. But anyway, yeah, forget Overwatch. La La Land, I mean, good stuff. But uh, <laughs> other Oscar nods, I think. Okay, th- these are movies that have flown under my radar. There is um, Hidden Figures. Which is about the three black women uh, scientists, or maybe uh, if not mistaken, mathematicians who were involved in NASA. I've heard There's about that. Also, Fences, uh, which is uh, Denzel Washington's. Dir- I don't. Is this his directorial debut? I, I don't remember him directing anything else, but mm. he directs and stars in it, and it's based off a stage play. Uh, that also flew under my radar. I mean, that's the thing about like about the Oscars is like they always bring attention to movies I didn't know existed because like we're struggling to sift like to sift through the swarm of like Marvel and DC movies and other like you know targeted towards big budget and like it's it's nice to know like you know the smaller films, the independent films and the smaller films or the film with sort of like that hidden message. You know, like okay, maybe put it saying it as artsy fartsy films would be a bit of a stretch, but. I would Stuff say like, like films not La La Land. They're more like those kind of contemporary films that target um, people who just want more something more beyond the, the 
how to say triple A blockbusters. <laughs> I would just movies. say this: these are films not trying to profit, but trying to tell a story or trying to like you know have a vision. So, so props. I mean, like I'm a, I'm a hardcore film fan, so I really look forward to like Oscar season, mainly because it's like my a chance for people to inform me of what else is available that I might have missed out on. So like you know I mean to me like you know Sing Street is like that nobody told me about movie I just stumbled upon it and it is it was the, my, one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, same here. But uh, we're not not a Sing Street with a hunt for the wilder people. I mean I've only heard of it from friends and then I saw the trailer. It looks quirky enough and I'm actually enamored by it. You know from last year. But okay, so, since we're on nice the topic, it's nice to have surprises and stuff. Yeah. But I mean like since we're on the topic of the Oscars, like okay maybe. We didn't. We don't really talk about like you know the the process of the Oscars. We I don't think we have right. Not really because um, we're actually kind of aiming this episode to be more game centric. But yeah, sure, we could try to talk about it. It's just that I am. I mean, every episode should be game centric. We, we 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 are trying to base ourselves as a video game podcast. But hey, it's January. Not much has come out except for Gravity Rush Two, which we are gonna you are gonna review properly soon. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Take maybe, it away. Maybe have your thought. Bring up your thoughts about the Oscars. Do you think the process is going to be a bit more, less rigid, or is going to be more open-minded about films? I would like to say, like, over the course of the like the past few years, the Oscars seem to be losing its validity, because in a sense, like, like my big thing about the Oscars is like. It gives props and awards and pomp and ceremony to like movies like The Hurt Locker, which I felt it wasn't overrated, but the fact that it drew so much Oscar buzz and it gave Catherine Bigelow an Oscar, and it it was going head to head with something like Avatar, and then like to me like okay The Hurt Locker is a well done film okay it's very well acted like it's it's introduced us to Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. You know, as like the bomb disposal guy, and uh, the scene of Guy Pierce getting destroyed, like the opening sequence, like uh, that was freaking entertaining. <laughs> but then, like, then you have b- this giant popcorn fluff like Avatar, and it's like it was the movie of that year. In fact, of the of of those ten years of that decade, where it it is beyond gangbusters, and it like pushed technology, pushed story te- uh, storytelling and filmmaking. Yes, I know it's a Pocahontas ripoff. Yes, I know. It's not really original in terms of narrative or in terms of characters, but in terms of creating worlds of like pushing visuals, like you know, like in terms w- of scope, right? In terms of scope. In terms like. of sp- scope and spectacle, which like okay, so with this in mind, I was really disappointed that Mad Max didn't win the Oscar. It uh. lost to The Revenant. Now The Revenant, yeah, it's an interesting movie. Yeah, like Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know if he deserved the Oscar for that performance. I mean, literally, all he did was fall asleep and like, kind of like sh- try to sh- shout through his teeth. And all. Like, I'll be honest, there are better movies uh, with Leonardo Di- Leonardo DiCaprio. Anyway, I mean, like, uh, Wolf of I would Wall say Street Wolf what? of Wall Street was probably yeah. it's a very strong performance, but it's very typical DiCaprio. It's very he's got a very special over the topness. Like to me, he is like the Pacino of our generation. Where uh, yeah. he can be subtle, he can be kind of like he can Loud. he can act with his his just his emotions or I mean his face, you know. But like you know when he gets all shouty, like eh, that that that's DiCaprio. Like like especially in like in Django Unchained when he went full DiCaprio. Oh yeah, yeah. You know when he was like screaming at like Jamie Fox at the dinner table. Okay, but I digress. Like the thing is like now the Oscars have turned into a a, a nice palate cleanse, so to speak. For how I 
like uh, experience the movie like the, the cinema experience nowadays mm-hmm. because it's like we are now constantly bombarded with like you know Marvel movies DC movies it's like just Disney you know then we have your animated flicks coming out from Pixar basically and, like, films with a lot of marketing budget behind them uh, yes films that are just created in, in, like, in a factory literally it's like a giant movie factory just churning out all this product I would say not even films anymore not even movies it's product meant to like you know uh, raise brand awareness for certain characters figures toys video games whatever and, it's, and the thing is it's leaving such a bad taste in my mouth I mean you and I both have mentioned like Marvel movie burnout yeah uh, basically like okay it's not fun to look forward to it anymore it's like yeah we're expecting it like Oh, this is gonna come out this year. Sure, yeah, we'll it's check it out. It's expected, lah, basically. So you know what I mean. Like to be honest, it is actually nice that you know the Oscars remind us that hey, there are some actually some movies that we kind of missed out, but it's nice that they're giving them the shine, you know, per se. Like you know, Moonlight and Arrival. For, yeah, maybe not Arrival, but so. definitely for I, I now I want to check out Hexor Ridge, and it's, it's strange because now I feel like I live in a world where like my feed or my or the news that I passively ingest, like say via Twitter, say via Facebook or whatever, like I nobody else is talking about these movies. <laughs> Do you feel that way? It's like yeah. there, are, it's like I don't want to say like oh, there's no smart movies, there's no intelligent movies, there's no art movies, there's no they independent. They are. Movies. They're just they exist, not, yeah. but it's like now, like now they I did. feel I need to put in extra effort to go and look for them. And I guess at the same time, like yeah, I mean, it's a different consumer culture nowadays because, like, back in the day, I would pay like fifteen dollars to see something like, uh, like, I don't know, like like a Danny Boyle movie, like Sunshine. Mm. You know, like oh hey, and I, I I would seek it out, I would watch it, you know, I would pay the money, and then I would feel I would have a different response to it. It's like okay, I spent so much money, was I entertained? Did I get my money's worth? Yeah. Or yeah. was it me contributing to an artist? Like oh, I really want to support this director or this filmmaker or this studio or this story, or this idea. And so like I felt like I was very inclusive when it comes to the movie going experience. But nowadays it's like. Marvel's gonna make money no matter what. So if I throw money at it, or if I don't watch it, or if I like consume it via other means, it's like yeah, it's still gonna go on. It's like it's giant juggernaut of a machine which, that is unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, which also begs the question: Will there ever be a Marvel-produced Marvel Studios film that will go the way like will will it will it pr- will, will it break it, templates? <laughs> yeah, a uh, uh, downward spiral. Will we see a bad Marvel film? I think well, we have. I, I mean, can find out this year. Who knows? Maybe the closest <laughs> one. I, I wouldn't even say it's bad, but like, there are weaker Marvel films. Probably oh, like I mean, Thor two. For me, it's like either the, okay, maybe not so much the Hulk, Iron Man two. That's probably the weakest. And even so, that's a good movie on its own merit. Even weaker than Thor two. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't mind Thor two. Actually, I also put it like it's still the bottom, but it's definitely above Iron Man two. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like Thor two and Iron Man two to me are like the, even like um, what was that? Even Age of Ultron to me felt like you know the lower rung of the Marvel movies. It is lower rung, but you cannot deny its scope. And come on, I, when you know that the villain is killed off too quick, you know that the movie is carried because of the villain, i.e. Uh, Ultron. Yeah. And then also is like they're they're just constantly like taunting us with Thanos and all that. It's like he hasn't even appeared yet. There's been like what fuck seven movies already. And yeah. All, all, and teasing, he's, the, he's, teasing the big purple he's, guy. His complete appearance is probably like a duration of what fifteen minutes max. <laughs> probably you know? less like, than so, that, dude. Probably but, less than that. And it, this is what's like. You no, know, it's dawning on me. Like by the time I'm forty, 
will they finally conclude all this or even so how are they gonna milk this franchise even more and will i care but that is true um we'll see by the next year or so i mean 2017 we've got like a bunch of Marvel stuff to go through. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. Spider Man's coming. Yeah, yeah. That one I'm looking forward to. But at the same time, do we ask for a Thor 3? I mean, it's nice that they're going to put the Hulk in, but that's it. And Doctor Strange, if you remember at the end of Doctor Strange, it yep. was teased that he would probably be involved in it somehow. I mean, but yeah. to me, Ragnarok looks the most metal. I mean, yeah. this might be the best Thor movie. I wouldn't even say the best of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah, or like yeah. maybe. But it's like okay, but, uh, but regardless to bring it all home, we're glad that at least the Oscars, at least you know, hey, just point us to the right direction in terms of like films that we should actually be watching for uh, for the sake of art, not so much for the sake of like, hey, it's my comic movie brought back to life, you know? Yeah, I guess so. But then, then again, like you know, it's sad to the kind of thing that we've come to this point because like if you remember like in the nineties, like say ninety four, ninety five, when like Tarantino, there wasn't much to pick from to be honest. Like yeah, yeah, Tarantino, Kevin Smith, like the early Christopher Nolan and the Darren Aronofsky's, they all seem to be like coming out year after year. Like there was just films that would just blow you away constantly. Yeah. And now we're kind of like step stepping away from that. Like Nolan is still around. Aronofsky, uh, I haven't seen He's anything. Probably doing something later on. I mean, I'm not really. I mean his first two movies like Pi and Requiem for a Dream were like earth shatteringly like you know emotional and artistic and then like I saw him do Noah <laughs> it's like seriously it's, it's still an okay the guy who I'm did Pi the worst film ever, has rock still... monsters protecting a wooden boat <laughs> Nephilim don't forget they're called Nephilims <laughs> No, they're no. It's ridiculous rock monsters. <laughs> this is this is interpretation from, I don't know. That's just some. I w- I want to show this movie to like what my my diehard Christian friends is like. Really, I'm, I'm that a happened. Catholic and I'm okay Are you sh- with it somehow? That 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 that. Seriously. <laughs> no, no. The way the, the way I say, come on, you've you've got like the whole like uh, the 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 whole. How are you gonna fit goddamn animals in a freaking ark? So, sure, I'll buy rock monsters, sure, as angels or whatever. What the fuck? Man? Of course it all happened. In Trump's America, it's all just alternative facts. You know, it could have happened. See? CGI makes it possible. But yes, okay. Uh, I think It's just more like a reinterpretation of some guy's thoughts about the Bible. It's just a fantasy happen. movie. Come on. Then again, the Bible is considered a fantasy movie if... If, if it's you're not, right you're up there the with Lord of the Rings I don't know if we're gonna touch upon that but come on you read it it's like come on guys turning water to wine coming back on the third day <laughs> breaking bread and then making fish multiply for all the people and healing bringing people back from the dead how can this is already writings of a fantasy novel you know what? what? That you just described the plot to the next Justice League movie. <laughs> That's how they're gonna explain Superman. <laughs> All from the freaking Bible. <laughs> I mean, like Zack Snyder has got a big Jesus heart on. I mean, it's so obvious. Yes, he's literally, literally the opening scene is Batman. Three days later, Superman wakes up. Like, what happened? Oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, I'm just taking a nap, yo. Oh, we thought you died. <laughs> No, what was it called again? Uh, uh, I can't remember the term from Death and the Death Return and Superman. Uh, something coma. Uh, 
long ass coma, I guess. I, th- there's an official term for it. Oh, we Kryptonians don't die. We just go through some sort of like you know healing coma Kryptonian or something. Kryptonian like. coma. Or what? <laughs> okay, okay, but tell you, this is the last King boys and girls. We'll be talking about serious films, and then yes, we have to spin into Batman versus Superman again. <laughs> yeah. Shout we out to our episode. To bring the, Bible the year we this, shit on Batman back from season one. Just to make a point come across. <laughs> How insane is that? <laughs> okay, so like yes, we're we're back on our ramble mode. Uh, yep, yep. Tell you what, let's close off this uh, mini Oscar segment and maybe hint at a full on Oscar episode probably in the next two or three episodes from now we should do a proper watch all the Oscar nominated movies and then have our point of view like put down here on tape we, could, we can do that in the next we should do that so. for all our last King fans especially you know since I've been chi- like <laughs> chiming on and on about how I'm such a film fan you know I need to yeah. prove it I guess yep yep yeah So probably onto something more lighter. Ha! Get it lighter because no gravity. Lighter than air. Oh <laughs> right, right, yes. So, um, Jafik, I played this really awesome game on the PS4. Could it's it be Gravity Rush Two? This There's a two. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So, for have you played the first game or at least heard about it? Well, you know how I mentioned that there are a lot of movies I missed out on. Yep. I also missed out on Gravity Rush. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I'm not I aware tell, of this I can story franchise. For you. Yeah. So it's about this girl named Cat who can uh, who can change the center of gravity at will. So she'll be on the ground, and then when she casts the powers, thanks to a cat called Dusty, uh, she will just float in the air, and she can land anywhere she wants. So you know, like let me. She, uh, so basically, you, when she changes gravity to a point on the wall, she will walk on the wall. And you know, like how a normal person would walk on the floor, like dead space. Yeah, yeah, basically like gravity <laughs> powers in dead space, except in a more French fantasy kind of universe. Because this Ooh, French game, fantasy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we got steampunk. You've got croissants. Some, yeah, we don't have croissants. You have kebabs on the. We got kebabs. Yeah, you got kebabs. You've got like different sort of colors coming in, and we've got guys in army outfits and like little steampunk robots thing coming down after you. So the story is this, uh, Gravity, okay, Cat and a friend Raven from the first game, who's also a Gravity user, and uh, this other guy named Sid, they're all somehow through some event, they got warped and stuck into this like floating boat. So they're on their way to this town called Jirpar, uh, oh crap, I got the name right here. See, Jirpa? all these French names, 
Well, okay, let's just call it Jir. Jir Pop, yeah, yeah. Jir. <laughs> yes, yes. Until I get the correct name, yeah, yeah, that's what you're gonna get. So. Let's call it Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> yeah, Gerard Depardieu, yes, yes. <laughs> My favorite obelisk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first town she was in is Hexaville. She's, you know, she's like the savior of that town in the first game. So okay. she's get warped onto this ship after doing a bunch of odd jobs here and there. They get warped into this uh, pop town called Jirga Paralao. Let's just call it Lao. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just too long, so let's just call it Lao. Boys yes. and girls. Last King fans, we like to apologize to all our French listening and speaking audiences. Yeah, so We're Asian. That, so Sorry. Basically, <laughs> so basically, this town Lao is basically got like a little class divide going on. So you've got the, like the ah. rich on top of the sky, and you've got the poor way at the bottom, and you know the middle class is in between. So there's actually like a class warfare thing going on. So Cat has to get to the bottom of it, while in the meantime trying to help out certain factions here and there, despite being given advice not to. Because Cat is sort of like this like naive do-gooder kind of character. Raven is also a do-gooder, but she's more or less a very cool, calm kind of character. Except when she gets really hungry, she basically eats like three bowls of like salads or foods or whatnot. So she's but are these both one. playable characters? Do you get to switch between these two? No, you get to mostly play as Cat. You'll get okay. to play as Raven, definitely. But I'm not going to say when, like maybe in the middle and in the, in the end, yeah. They should have just changed her name to Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Now, the kicker of the game is basically you got this gravity powers. So the controls, definitely you have to get some get get some getting used to. Okay. But once you get nailed of it, once you nail it, you're in like a really magical world with a really kick-ass soundtrack and a really kick-ass story. Like you've got like robots and police states, corrupt politicians. And once you get back to like the old town you're in, apparently you kind of have to build your way up from scratch because a new hero took over and obviously things are not what it seems. So it's really cool. So unlike the first game, this one actually ends on a really complete note. So let's just say you're not going to get a part three. So I want to know, it's like, because just based on the title and what you've explained to me, and like maybe it has some sort of like dead space style uh, anti-gravity uh, mechanics. Yep, is yep. this more like a platformer or a platform shooter? Or? It's more like an action adventure game. Think of it like Crackdown or... Okay. Grand Theft Auto, in which where you get to tackle any mission or whatnot at your at your own leisure. So you've got this town, uh, Lao and Hexaville to explore. So you get to look around, collect diamonds, which actually power your skills up, mm-hmm. and you can also fight uh, random navies and random police forces coming so in. So what's the action and the combat like? Is it like shooter style or is it like a God of War kind of like melee it's, uh, battle it's, it's, style? It's melee based. So. Cat herself, she actually attacks with a foot. She gets a kick. She's like Chun Li, basically. She gets a she kick. She gets a kick out of it. <laughs> yes. And when she's floating in the air, she'll do like a gravity kick. So basically, she'll target some dude. You just press the square button to actually home in an attack automatically, mm-hmm. and then you will hit the target depending on how fast it is. So like if like the target moves away, mm-hmm. you will actually avoid. You will actually miss. So you kind of need to know where it's gonna hit as well as like switch up between gravity styles so it's like combo based where you need to chain like attacks together to kind of yeah get yeah yeah you can um not too heavily combo based like devil like may devil cry may but cry, there is yeah. a combo system there so you've got simple attacks like that and you also got stasis throw you get to actually pick up items from nearby and okay. toss them at your enemy like chairs Diamonds, crystals, whatever is nearby, you know. Basically, even like the portal barrels. gun from Half Life Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gravity gun. Yes, yes. Okay. So she, again, gravity powers, so she can do that. You stasis throw, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, she can also gravity slide as well. So basically, she'll just accelerate at a really high speed. So basically, it's her sprint mode, her sliding. 
So like, I want to ask you, like, what's the level design like? Because the, the thing is, for this kind of action and this kind of uh, movement, I would expect there to be a lot of closed areas. But then, no, at the no, same no, no. time, there you mentioned Grand Theft Auto, so it's like, is it very open world with a lot it of like? It is open world. The stages that you fight in, they're kind of open because you need to actually have, since you have powers that can float and fly around, you kind of need that space. And I felt that the levels, the 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 mission levels, the sites, the side quests, all that, they actually do a really good job at giving you this uh, freedom but at the same time you know where your target is okay but um let's see also i forgot to, i should mention the styles because in this gravity rush game you get to switch between styles like uh, you got your normal version you've got you've got the lunar style where basically you're a bit floaty slower but at the same time you more can damaging sort of, no 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 uh that's for the other styles for the lunar style you get to basically teleport and hit enemies who are really really fast but at the same time when you jump and move around you feel floatier and slower so something a bit with a bit more finesse it allows you to kind of slow down the action so you can like yes, kind of yes. plan your strategy a little bit more and you can actually dodge better in this mode oh, okay, now when you switch to jupiter mode you deal more damage because you basically have the gravity of jupiter so you can actually fall faster than usual faster than okay. normal mode but at the same, and you can gravity slide much faster. But you become unwieldy, and and then when you're walking on the surface, you are fucking slow. So it's like, the this is the balance. You have your more finesse, more faster, uh, playstyle, and then you got your heavy hitting, more like damaging other style. Yeah, so, because but, uh, Jupiter mode, you actually can hit all. You can hit armored enemies. You can actually break through them. Do you switch between these styles, or is it like? Like like different parts of a skill tree that you need to expand upon, so okay. like it forces you to replay the game as a different style if you want to experience that more. Okay, um, there are stages where you're actually locked to one style because of like you know the 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 game tells you okay you're it's locked. This, in it's so the stage is designed around a certain style. Yeah, yeah, and there's also parts where oh it's open you can tackle this however you want, but if you want to get the fastest time, we would suggest you actually pick this style because they are like time trials like in combat in throwing things at enemies or in gravity sliding. So if you want to actually get the fastest time in gravity sliding, it's best to pick Jupiter mode, Jupiter okay, style. Okay, because you do more damage, so you clear it faster. Uh, well, for racing, it's much faster. Mm, but it's yeah, a bit like, it's like, you know your fast characters in Mario Kart, where you can't actually steer them properly, but they're super fast? I understand what you mean. Uh. So you, you gotta be more twitchy in your movements, you gotta be a little yes. bit more finesse. So, but how are the bosses? Oh, the bosses, they are very... They, they, you can take your time with most of the bosses anyway. They won't be like, oh, if you don't attack them at a certain time, they're going to regenerate your health. They're not completely cheap, at least for Mila. Okay. You just damage them, you get to throw stuff at them. I mean, it's like the typical bosses battle. Like, you got to hit certain things. Like, this giant skull you fight, you yeah. actually have to lower its defenses by hitting pipes all around it. Oh, I so see. you basically just have to fly around, hit those pipes with your gravity kicks, avoid projectiles from enemies, and then also get to the center part as as fast as you can before it closes up after maybe two three minutes so it's like very classic video game bosses whereas there's a lot of pattern uh recognition there's a lot of like understanding uh hit points and weaknesses yeah that's correct yeah yeah okay. and those but are I mean, actually kind i enjoy tasks like that yeah but so like how's the challenge i mean the, I'm, I'm really interested mostly in like did this kind of push you to your limits a bit i mean not or even really. comparing to in gravity fact, rush one actually this is very once you figure out a way to actually use the gravity kick and to switch to the correct style properly, the game gets kind of easy. 
Hacks. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Basically, your so there are some overpowered moves that become available to you that kind. It don't break the game, but then again, once you it's basically like if you find your stride or if you know what does the most effective thing, then you definitely. I say the game doesn't challenge you further, but then yeah, like, which is that's why the level very, of mastery. Which is why I'm very confused. A lot of reviewers who played this game, they thought that the game was cheap and hard. Dude, really? I got, I got, I had an easy time playing this game, dude. I mean, yes, it actually stretched out quite a bit for certain bosses, but for the final bosses, that's kind of expected, I guess. But again, yeah. I don't know what the hell's up with these critics. I mean, I think this game was actually not hard. More like maybe a bit too easy in my t- in my taste, yeah. No, hey, just say it as it is. You know, I mean, like if you want cheap and hard, boys and girls, if you want cheap and hard, Ninja Gaiden Two on the Xbox Three Sixty, on any mode above, like like, yo, anything above hard, that's cheap. Now yeah, that yeah. will kick it. That game will frustrate you. Yeah, but what but, I like I mean, about but then again, the story and everything uh, about Gravity Rush, you play it, you're gonna be charmed by the characters. I mean. My, my favorite bit was basically how Cat and Raven interact with each other. I wanted to do their side quest because this to show that, yeah, they're actually sort of rivals, but at the same time, they're really good friends. Like, so, Cat is always going to be, like, the naive girl, and then Raven has to set her straight in terms of, like, we got to get focused on the mission, also, I'm kind of hungry and stuff. Basically, like, a female Ryu and Ken. One yeah, is a yeah, bit yeah, more, yeah. like, you know, solemn and straightforward, and the other one is a little I bit guess, more I guess Murtaugh, fleshy. And... I guess from uh, Lethal Weapon, Murtaugh and Riggs. Really? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Murtaugh and Riggs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know, Cat uh, is Riggs, and uh, Murtaugh, I mean, Raven is Murtaugh. <laughs> oh, man, so... I need to ask you also <laughs> the jiggle what? physics. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Well, there are actually some side quests where you can get cat certain outfits, like a. Okay, you got a nurse mm. outfit because she had to nurse be a stunt outfit. double. Yeah, she had to be a stunt double. She's got the jazz outfit because there's one mission where she has to sneak in the army, and for some as a reason, jazz musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then somehow she's dressed she got, like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she somehow got pushed into by a jazz troupe, and then she has to sing. In front of a bunch of soldiers in the red outfit, you know, and that's that's a, that's a really charming side because you get to see Cat suddenly make up shit on the spot and then singing and somehow succeeding until uh, someone who recognized her actually blew her cover lah. So does it break into like a really cute like rhythm mini game when you need to press colored buttons in sequence? Nah, it's more of like a cutscene. Well, it's a cutscene. Ah. Yeah, yeah. You actually have to figure out what <laughs> to actually what opportunity right to put up. Yeah, yeah. But for for the most part, it's a cutscene. It's a really really charming game. Now, I can understand there are some complaints for this game. Camera angles for one, because there are actually some stages, especially when you get the Jupiter power up the first time. Where the camera kind of sticks between you and the wall. You're in like a really small crevice kind of space and the camera gets really fucked up. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's like notwithstanding because that's just something they've been fighting with since like you know the xbox era so it's like you can only fit the camera i mean you if you want to hit like go close to the walls or go to like the edge of the stage like the camera can't go between the wall and you i mean yeah so i mean that happens so it's like up to the player to like you have to stay in the center if you want to you can't complain about the camera you're just not using it properly well this is this is this is one instance where these problems can sometimes crop up but at the same time, by and large, you're actually in a free-form kind of open space book game. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some missions. The, the stealth missions are pretty much duds. There's stealth it's missions? Like the, yeah, yeah. There are actually some old-school stealth missions where you don't know where, where the enemy is looking at or how you indicate it and all that. So those, those missions can be the most frustrating unless you figure out the path. And once you mm. figure out the path, it gets too easy. But so, then... 
that uh, th- I think that's a cheap part that the reviewers are kind of mentioning, like those submissions. But thankfully, there are only like three or four of these. So. But is there like an autofill thing where if you get caught or if you get seen, then you have to restart the whole thing? You is have to restart a particular section of that scene. Not so the it checkpoints. It doesn't yeah. like force you to play the whole stage again. Yeah, thank God. So that's because not too you, bad. No, but yeah, yeah, let if you me go ask all you, the way to the beginning, yeah, then that's a, the fucking stupid. No, but if like, if you're playing these stealth missions, how do the gravity uh, powers? How they use if you if you if you're not supposed to make a noise or like be seen? Well, if you're walking on the ceiling, you're not going to hear much, <laughs> apparently, according to okay. this game's logic. So if you're walking sideways to the building, when your bad guys are actually on the opposite side, no one's going to see you. I mean, because um, I haven't played the game and I can only understand so much, but to me, you, I have the impression that it feels like maybe like those uh, Catwoman missions in like the Arkham games. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's just... like that, except you have graffiti powers. So it's like instead of like it, it, not just you can literally just walk on the wall or on the ceiling and yes. to avoid and to like bypass security cameras yeah. and certain things. Is there any vent action? You can't have a stealth section without going through vents. No, you don't go through vents. You're basically uh, walking to the sides and upside down parts of the buildings. Yes. So like it's basically just avoiding the enemy POV like Metal Gear like that? Something like that, yes. Hmm, okay, so I mean, it's, it's, besides it's, the it's, stealth it's, missions... It's a bit old school, yeah, so I don't like those missions. But everything else about the game makes me fall in love with it. And so, yeah, the soundtrack. So if any guy, anyone who listens here who actually watched like the One Piece anime or maybe some old anime back then with a really kick-ass soundtrack, this guy, this guy, Kohei Tanaka, he did the soundtracks for those past animes. Oh yeah, this sounds familiar. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean like... I think he did Gunbuster back in the day. Oh man, that <laughs> I love Gunbuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also Such One Piece, as I mentioned, the soundtrack mm. for that TV show. Man, if he has, imagine if he had to do a different song for every episode, he'd be a bajillionaire. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. He's a very private guy. I did try interviewing once when for the first Gravity Rush, but yeah, he's really really quiet. Okay, so let me ask you the important questions. As a sequel, comparing it to the first one, gameplay wise, uh, story wise, oh, so control wise, so control everything wise has been so improved. Okay, and then like, if I was a new player and I wanted to like get into the Gravity Rush games, do I start with the sequel or can I just go to the first one and Ooh, watch it evolve? I have a better answer. Go for the anime. I mean, go for the YouTube uh, free show called Gravity Rush Overture. Is it related? Is it yeah, like yeah, a tie-in? Yeah, yeah. It actually leads into the second game. So you just watch that. You'll get ev- your bases covered. I mean, it's a free if YouTube I show. To... You can watch it. You can go I mean, in. I'm not talking about the story of the characters. I'm talking about the game. Should I start with one or should I just ignore it and just play two and then get my jollies there? Yeah, yeah. Just play part two. I mean, I would... Okay, if you have a lot of time, yeah, play the first one and go to the second one. Definitely. But is the first one available on, on this current console generation? Yeah, yeah. It's actually available on PS4. It's actually remastered from the PS Vita. Should be available on the, oh, on the Vita? You can't yeah, can yeah, get yeah. it on your PS4? No, no, no. You can. Do, do, do. You can. You misheard me. Um, You mm. can actually get it for the PS4. There's actually a version of Gravity, Gravity Rush 1 called Gravity Rush Remastered. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, this, this, is a- actually, this is actually one of those instances where I kind of like the Japanese name a bit more. Is- Japanese name is Gravity Days. The what? Gravity Days. The Japanese name is Gravity Days. Yeah. You know, Days, D-A-Y-S, D-A-Z-E, because, you know, the woman is confused and, you know, you live, she's living her days and shit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much better title for me, lah. Rush feels more like, yeah, this is made for American audience, you know. Man, are you one of those guys who prefer Balrog or do you prefer Vega? 
No, 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 no. Vega is cool. Vega is cool. This is, this is again. Sometimes the titles do make sense in a sense. Uh, but like okay. I actually like Resident Evil a lot more than Biohazard. What? Biohazard sounds way more badass. There you go. You're one of those guys too as well who kind of pref- sometimes you prefer the Jedi. Resident Evil sounds it. like a really nasty neighbor. Like, oh man, this resident, he's so evil. Yeah, but it's in the mansion. That's his lineage. It's you know. Well, you're not in a you're not in a mansion in Africa in part five, sir. <laughs> I don't know, this is being consistent. Yeah, you're, it should be mud hut evil. <laughs> yeah, so as it stands, I really love this game a lot. Big okay. recommendation for me. So, Shafiq, what's your if you're number whole, If you're into the whole GTA style thing, but with a twist, um, yeah, buy it if you if you can. Okay, so it's available only on PlayStation. Is it next PlayStation Four? Yes. It, I don't know. Um, let's see how much I. Uh, how much should I read it? Oh, I gave it like an 8.8. I got my review on Geek Culture, so do check it out. No plugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no plugs a, at all. <laughs> okay, so, you know what? Just after this conversation, I am definitely going to check out Gravity Rush 2. It just sounds like something that I might be interested in. Uh, I mean, it's not... I don't expect too much Devil May Cry. I expect a bit more GTA. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, expect... Okay, maybe not so much GTA. It's kind of like it's its own unique thing. It's some G- more like GTA. Arkham Asylum or Arkham Knight. That that level of uh, expensiveness. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe sort of around there, but with a more cheerful vibe, more colorful, more artsy, weird characters you meet. Come on, I mean, one of your side missions involves cat taking pictures of girls for a dirty old man. Hmm. I mean this. The way you describe it to me, especially when you mention like the French fantasy aesthetic, is it something like this uh, indie game that I played quite recently? I mean, not recently, quite some time ago. Closure, have you played it? Closure, where you no, s- I've You're not. like a young girl where you like have shadow powers and then when you switch to shadow powers, you use the light sources to like platform on the walls using shadows. I mean, it's a, it's a great game. It's Maybe I should do a retrospective about it. It's like one of my favorite games that came out. It was very small, it was very indie. I got it free during a bundle. And like, think oh, of it like a think of it like a Mobius, uh, art, Mobius comic coming alive. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You dropped some serious name there. You know, Mobi- I'm a huge Mobius fan. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, will just love how Gravity Days looks like. You will love the you love the concept art for this. Just for that, okay, I will definitely check out Gravity Rush Two. An eight point eight from Mister Toffee here over the Last Game Podcast. And we're back! Hey, what's up? Alright, alright. So, um, there's this game I actually got a while last year, which apparently we did a story about it, a whole series about it, but I totally, it totally, <laughs> I totally forgot about talking about it until now. Even I 
kind of forgot to remind you, and then how you forgot to remind me to remind you. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're finally, about, <laughs> finally, so finally, <laughs> we're talking about Final Fantasy Fifteen. You game finally got, beat the game. <laughs> yeah, we actually got it at large, but because of all the other stuff that we've been swamped with, like day jobs and other stuff we gotta cover and totally yes. busy social lives yeah. Yeah, yeah I only actually played this when I was taking a long break around January like I played it straight nothing else okay it's is that is that the reason you're gonna tell the fans why the long hiatus why haven't we been, been around no, no, January that, 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 that's probably like we've been one, playing Final Fantasy damn yeah, it that, that, that's probably one eight of the reason why but yeah it's one eight one eight but you mean one five no one eight one eight <laughs> One eight, one five, yeah. One fifteen. It's, it's, it's a small. It's one fifteen, yeah, yeah. But anyway, point is finished it, and it's actually good. I'm actually surprised. I thought this game is not gonna live up to the hype. I thought that you know, with all the recurring dialogue and all this shit that happened, especially at the last few stages, I thought it was gonna be a really failed masterpiece. But at the same, but in the end of the day, it's more of like a. It's more of like a. Slightly flawed, but pretty cool masterpiece. Strong B. Uh, okay. My A minus. Okay, okay, maybe some context because you know the story of Final Fantasy Fifteen, right? Um, four guys who look like boy bands. They are supposed one of them is gonna be the future king. Turns out his kingdom got invaded. While Noctis, he's out, right? When he's outside, you know, in his car and all that, Noctis. And then you gotta try to find powers to take down the, take down the bad guys. But at the same time, also. You know, get married to your betrothed, uh, Luna Freya. Betrothed. <laughs> yeah, betrothed, yeah. And then shit just happens from there. I mean, I think everybody else has covered Final Fantasy to death. Yeah, I mean, story-wise yeah. or gameplay-wise. In fact, this is going to be a bit spoiler-heavy, so if no one wants to watch... If anyone hasn't finished the game yet, yeah, close your ears. Or if you've been managing to avoid... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, all the hype. But, like, okay, I haven't finished it. Mm-hmm. Mr. Toffee... You've completed the game. Yes. You've covered almost ninety percent of the main story and the side quest. Is it no, 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 I, I finished hundred percent of the story, but the you side quest. This. Yeah, no, the, the side quest is still going on. So I've only like what forty percent the entire game. So like, I want to ask you one thing. Like, um, in terms of content, is it your money's worth? Do you feel like wow, this is more than what I expected? You are doing a lot, yes, but you gotta remember, Final Fantasy XII did the same thing in terms of like, oh, hunt this motherfucker. You get money and you get a lot of rare stuff if you kill this guy. FF15, same concept. You can't even actually have multiple hunts as well. You have to you have to go to one guy, he gives you a hunt, you do that thing, you kill him, you kill the monster that you're tasked to kill, then you come back and then you get your cash and your rewards. No, but here's the thing, you actually, no wait, you can actually cash in any other hunter's guild. But you only can take in one Hunter's Guild mission at a time. Which is a bit retarded, I don't know. But mm. at the same time, fighting the, the your, your crux of combat itself, like with the Warp Sword and having your teammates help you out, that's pretty fun. To the point where your teammates are kind of overpowered in a sense. Because when they're doing their animations, when they, you did, when they do their tag team attacks, whether it's a gravity gun in the middle of the screen that sucks <laughs> on enemies, or if it's like a heavy sword attack from Gladio, it... They're invincible basically during those those attacks. Mm. So you so you see what I'm getting at. Once you get like to a high enough level, like maybe 40, 50, you get to spam those like no tomorrow, and yeah, you get to actually overpower your enemies through that. So there's a little bit of a like the challenge scaling isn't really there yet. Like it, like, it, it 
Like if you max out everything, you do you will do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, there's also like enemies that can one hit kill you, of course, but only if <laughs> only if you dodge pretty, only if you dodge terribly, and even then your teammates when they get knocked down on the floor, incapacitated, they can actually use the phoenix down to heal themselves. This isn't like in the old games where your other guy who's still alive throws it in your face, throws it in the other dead guy's mm. face, you know. Self-revive, huh? Yeah, they can do the self-revival thing. So basically, you die if you run out of items. Or mm. if you don't bother using items and want to try to fight all over again. So, I mean, the strategy has changed a lot more. Like, not like the old days where you need to make sure, like, the strongest guy holds all the Phoenix downs or all the healing. Yeah. You know, like, you you, you need to create the tank or, like, the, the, the healing character. Whereas this one is basically... You're just gonna buy all the shit. <laughs> yeah, buy all the shit. You know, War of Attrition, basically. You mm. do that and you dodge, okay, you're fine already. Now, the thing about this, even despite going through this and also fighting a lot and also taking a bunch of really predictable but also kind of, you know, fun side-open-ended side quests, I had a lot of fun in the game because I like the characters. These characters, um, Noctis, Ignis, Prompto, and Gladio, they're Sleepy, stock characters. Sneezy, <laughs> bashful. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> they're, 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 they're the anime archetypes. You know, Ignis is mm. the gentleman guy who cooks. Prompto's the comedic loudmouth guy who happens to be a robot at the end of the game. They got all the tropes. Spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Gladio is the tough guy. Basically, he's the tough guy who gets along with most people. When like I think of, kind of guy, giant Who has a really guys. cute sister as well, whom Noctis may mm. want to bang. He, he's eyeing the girl, definitely, even though he's, marri- he's supposedly marrying the other girl. Okay. It's, yeah, but at the same time, yeah, I like these guys. I like to hang out with these guys and have fun with these guys, you know? They're they're like the buddy they're like the buddy guys you kind of want they're 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 stock characters but they're fun. I totally understand how you like to hang out with guys. <laughs> not not no that, but not, anyway not that um, context dude. <laughs> I would say like this like in terms of gameplay, so like does it get too repetitive? Because the thing is I've tried like you know, I I played like the first ten hours in right. I mean I haven't gotten back to it. I really want to finish it myself. But like uh maybe you can tell me tell back to me like how, so does it expand more? Does the the combat get a little bit more nuanced? Get it? Gets it get a little bit more challenging? It gets chaotic and challenging because you yeah. most likely be fighting guys ten levels higher than you. So you kind of need to know how to dodge. You kind of need to know when to actually use your spells. Now spells in the game they basically act like holy hand grenades. So you cast a spell, you throw it at a direction. It'll either freeze or torch the area or have lightning cast on the area. And then, if you get knocked down one too many times, or if your party's in a dead state, there'll be a time halfway through in the fight where you hear the musical cue, you hold the left trigger, and then you have a giant Eidolon coming down to either shoot lightning down or have ice gather around the place or have um, or have earth re-thrown down your faces. Basically the summons of the Final Fantasy universe. Mami, uh, but I just want to ask you, like, Gameplay-wise, like, did you feel the need to keep playing it? It didn't get bored. I do, actually. Here's the Mm. thing. The combat is very fun, very action-y. I mean, it's simplified action-like. So, imagine, like, a slightly easy to medium version of Bayonetta, except you don't have to press too many buttons. You just hold the X button to dodge and warp phase and shit. You Mm -hmm. press Y to, you know, teleport your way out of trouble. You press the A button or the B, what was it the B button? I forgot. To actually just hold it to do your combos and then your friends can join in. It gets really fun. I mean, it can get a bit dull because again, you're fighting enemies in the same kind of manner. But when you're dodging, you're fighting different enemies. You can do one hit kills or have special attacks or 
You can also switch your weapons as well to to fight armored enemies, or you get to switch to a faster weapon to fight against like bees or shit like that. And then when you're fighting the big guys, you kind of have to see the, how they telegraph the attacks and to dodge them or get the fuck out of the way, right? So I like those fights. I like killing down big monsters and killing them and getting their meat and shit. And it's it's it, it gets fun despite the fact that oh you your your most missions most of your missions are mostly killing things and getting items to by killing monsters bigger than you. It's still fun because. The combat's done really well, the fighting is done really well, the monsters you fight, they have a really cool design and they're also fun to fight as well, especially when you fight against the samurai bad guys. So I, I think, think they're called really... Yojimbos or some Japanese name where if you see them doing, if you, I don't know what the hell they're called, but when they do their stance where they're going to do the, the Zatoichi stance, that's when you have to block or just jump out of the way. No, but like I also like want to say like, okay, like with the boss battles and the combat and they have also different tactics with the side fight, quests, yeah. so I mean like, Let's ask the question that everybody wants to hear the answer to. Where does it stack against the entire legacy? Oh, right, right. Okay, so the combat's fun. The story is a tad flawed, but where it hits home the most, it hit home. Because everything that happens in Final Fantasy XV, most of the, most of the small and medium level stuff all happens behind the scenes. Like, you don't know who the fuck these Kingsclave guys are unless you watch the movie. You didn't know that the Emperor turned to a demon until... Oh, he's a demon. <laughs> and then you didn't know about what the hell happened to uh, Luna Freya's brother, Ravis, until you see his dead body on the floor. And then you find out his backstory through a bunch of texts on the floor. You don't get to see all that uh, stuff that happens in between, like what most Final Fantasy games have. So, but the stuff with the brothers, with, the, with your friends against Arden, the main bad guy, it works well. I like it. I like how the ending came to a close like that. Like, the good guys win, but not quite. You know, that sort of deal. No, but what I was asking is like... Oh yeah, where it stacks, where it stacks. Okay. Within so, the 15, take, is so, it top 5, top 3? Okay, taking all of this into account, it is definitely better than FF13 and FF9, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm probably gonna rile up a lot of people who like FF9 here, but you understand, FF9 was basically cashing in on nostalgia with diminishing returns of the storyline. FF15 just has an incomplete story. I mean, the story is so more or less complete. Just those parts that are missing, you know it's missing because it happens behind the scenes. So, so um, it like... would stack, like, maybe, okay, my top five Final Fantasies, let's say, it'll be FF6, 7, 12, 8, 1, 2, 1, 1, and 3. I guess FF15 can be a number 7 or a number 8 around that. So probably the top 10, but nowhere near to, like, not even close to the genius that is FF6. No, or nothing, even to the groundbreaking cultural was, impact of FF7. That right? was a product of the time and also a product of when Yoshinori Kitase knew how to write a story. But... Before he went seen out of FF FF thirteen last, so. <laughs> but like, say something like FF fifteen, right? Like, granted, understanding his legacy. We did an entire episode where we just talked about Final Fantasy and its cultural importance and how it like you know uh, escalated gaming and the, like you know solidified the JRPG genre. Yeah. Like, so this is not the groundbreaking FF that a lot of people are kind of expecting. Hey, if you're in the top ten FFs. That's a good dude. I'm giving it the fullest praise here. Yeah, but Nothing top ten out of fifteen isn't a lot, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> top ten out, okay. Because you, you can't really, actually churn wait, out all these. When you say seven, that means it's the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even. Okay, fine. Seven. Middle, fine. But, middle seven, six around there. But still, it's still a high praise. 
considering that these games have a really really high benchmark back in the day but the thing is the benchmark is created by within the company you know what i mean so they have the knowledge they have the team they have the personnel they have the experience like we're the company who made ff6 and 7 and blah 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 oh and dude Square. after ff10 11 that's when yeah. they got kind of lazy so so yeah is, i know what so you mean so what I'm saying is that this like this is definitely not a top tier Final Fantasy game, but if it you is still a damn good Final, I mean, okay, it's I'll still a it's damn a good, good Final Fantasy game. It's still yeah. a good Final Fantasy, but not a platinum Final Fantasy game. So like, is that a basis for a discredit? Like what I'm saying is like you know like should we expect more actually? Like should we be a little bit disappointed? Like, of course, yeah, well, no, no, it no, no. didn't okay. blow us away, I, I but will, it's alright. I am not disappointed, but I expected more. I'm mm. still great. I'm still happy with what I got, but. In terms of like getting more, of course I'm a greedy guy who wants the best for the franchise because I wanted an FS6 or something along those same lines. And I like, yeah, that's the thing. You fail by your because uh, the thing is you don't fail, but like in comparison to your own ability, like we're gonna judge you based on your last output. And since you pulled this off, you know what to do next. You know, and then, yeah, like, yeah. It, I think that's my stance on the Final Fantasy game, and that's probably one of the reasons why I haven't gotten back to it is because as I'm playing it, I don't have that sense of like okay, it it felt to me like yeah, it's a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, like you know, there it's it's not pain by numbers, but it's like you know, uh, stepping in like stepping on treads I've been before, and at the same time, it's like you know, like the general response and reactions I have from like the rest of like you know, uh, like other uh how you say pop culture outlets that I pay attention to is like they gave me the impression that yeah it's good but you know it's not anything you need to play straight away yeah but again this is also a pretty I won't say it's an unfair unfair way to judge games but by that logic you're probably not going to play any other Final Fantasy game no matter how hard they try to go back and then make magic because you gotta remember Hironobu Sakaguchi not there anymore so is gonna he be the only hard. reason why Final Fantasy was a success? Is that what you're trying to say? No, 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 no. Because we gotta remember, FF6, Hironobu Sakaguchi produced it, but the people who directed it are still in the company. So that's the thing, like... I think they can go back to that, even without Hironobu Sakaguchi. But at the same time, I'm happy that FF15 came out, but this just shows that, yes, Square Enix now has to climb that has already set the bar in what makes a good FF game now in this day and age now mm. they have to go higher so that's a pretty huge pressure from there so I want to say this also like let's compare it to what's happening in the west like groundbreaking RPGs like when you th- say that people think Skyrim people think Witcher you know western oh, RPGs Witcher 3 yeah Witcher 3. yeah you know like they don't think JRPGs anymore like to no, me no, no. like that, now that, that time has passed already yeah nowadays they, 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 all, like, they all went on mobile yeah so like that's what I'm saying is like you know like I I commend FF15 for existing and for coming out and for like trying things. Yeah, and but being a great time, game for being a great game as well too. I mean it's a great game, but then the thing is like okay, then I need to ask you the super unfair question: Where does it stack against Witcher Three? I'll still play Witcher Three. There you go. So I, I'm saying this right. I I mean this is my stance. Like okay, Square, FF15, not bad. You can do better. Yeah, exactly. They Take can your time. do much better. Yes. Take your time. Whether you're gonna do fifteen part two or sixteen, the next one, learn from your mistakes or innovate. I think this is the time we need to kind of address them and say like, hey, be the square enix that you used to be. I mean like, you know, ha- uh shout outs to our uh <laughs> final finally fantasy episode. No, but fantasy finally. Well okay. I'm just saying this is like um yeah. 
the time for churning out the B or the like you know the A minus games like yo Square blow us away yeah exactly like, you know, open letter here's a challenge to you guys you guys the, can in, do it yeah in the meantime good effort good effort I'd say yeah. I'll just give this a 7 out of 10 for me I mean great game I play on the Xbox One version saw the PS4 version for me it's, 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 it's the goddamn same thing I don't know why people have this console war shit anymore no yeah. man I'm gonna play on the PC when it finally comes out oh, on that yeah, platform yeah. that'll be good <laughs> but as it stands could have been better this because of his legacy yeah and the fact mm. that you know parts of the story is missing like, and the gameplay is great but still got their restrictions you know in terms of an open world thing because you mean, compare that to Witcher 3 dude Witcher 3 blows out of the water and, like, and, and people will like kind of come back at us and say like, oh, but Witcher's only had it, like, had, had only had three games. You know, this is Final Fantasy. They've been churning it out since the nineties. God knows when. Yeah, the, the late. And the then 80s. I'll throw it right back at you, fanboys. You're like, okay, did you like the last Die Hard or the first Die Hard? Okay, mm, when you're watering the shit down, when when things don't become fun anymore, stop or rethink your pro- your uh, your prerogatives. Yeah, yeah. please. Okay. You know, don't disappoint the fans. We are we we will support you. Yeah, but you gotta give us. Good you stuff. gotta you gotta push. You know, go for it. Yeah. I mean, um, okay, I am definitely gonna complete Final Fantasy fifteen eventually, or maybe start again on a new platform. Actually, the side quests itself—they're actually kind of fun too. I mean, after you finish the game, there's actually more shit that opens up, like more better weapons. Oh, you gotta find legendary quest shit. You know. Mm. I mean, I'm really looking forward to I mean, I heard it's got very strong Monster Hunter kind of influence also where it like really yes. encourages you to go out there and like you see that big thing over there you can kill that yeah, try yeah, yeah. go just, for just, it just give it a shot yeah. you play Dark Souls yeah you like that <laughs> they'll kill you straight away <laughs> but okay you know what props to Final Fantasy 15 for still existing okay very strong 7 upon 10 from you yeah yeah okay. 7 7 one of, the, one of the better ones okay it's, yeah better it's, ones that could have been better you know 7 out of mm. 10 still a good score but yeah Let's hope sixteen or next one of your spin-offs actually overshadow it. Yeah, we're we're waiting. We 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 know you you can you guys can do it. Okay, Square. Yeah. Oh, give us I, the I next gotta, Earth Chattering. I also gotta FF. give props to Hajime Tabata for sticking it out there, because <laughs> Hajime Tabata he did Crisis Core. That was a damn good PSP From, game. Wow, yeah. <laughs> he did Type Zero. That was a damn good PSP game. That doesn't rely on any other franchise. It's his own. It's his own story and everything. So mm. he decided, yeah, I'm going to fix FF15. Sorry, I'm going to fix FF versus 13. And he fixed it to the best of his abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, props and to him for yeah, putting so that out. Good, good job. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Last King fans, uh, I would say not highly recommended, but definitely recommended from us here at the Last King Podcast. So pick up a copy of FF15 if you can. Uh, but if you like, you know, you really need to play a, a good uh, RPG or JRPG. I mean, you can look elsewhere, but for this season, for like what's going, on, what's available right now, get it. Go ahead. You know, I mean, it will not. It w- it is part of the legacy. It it's, is it, up it's, there. It's probably on discount price right it, now, as we see. And it's probably on sale, right? Yeah. So like, pick it up. You know, especially if you're an FF fan. You know, you know, support the team. Support Square Enix. Go ahead. Get yourself a copy. You know, you want to. You want to knock this. You come on. Bloody you, yeah.
So, maybe as a segue, you did kind of mention a game. <laughs> Just like a couple of moments ago. Yes. As of the recording of this, Resident Evil 7 has dropped. Okay, so I think this episode will come out a little bit later after the release. Have you gotten your copy yet? Nah, I haven't yet. Um, I'm actually busy with a bunch of other titles I'll talk about in the future. So, like, the thing is, I haven't been contributing so much into the video game uh, aspect of The Last King here. So, I think I should go uh, review a video game. Tell you what, maybe I will definitely play me some Resident Evil. And uh, I'll give a full review probably on the next episode. But, like, maybe based on your first impressions, especially with the uh, added, like, you know, expansion of the VR stuff. And, like, has it, like, I mean, based on the trailer and what people have been saying so far what are your thoughts and how do you feel about like the new resident evil and the way that it's kind of pushing away from the action shooter genre and back to its roots as a horror survival genre i like it dude i honestly think think that the old umbrella court story that's been happening since part four part five part six is just to death, needlessly right? complicated so it's nice that they're going back to you're trying to survive this mansion from these redneck fucks so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's I a Texas like Chainsaw it. video game. <laughs> I haven't I haven't played most of the game because again I don't have a copy. So once I get through it and all of that, maybe I got a friend who can help me out, so we'll see. But I'll just go through it. But at stands, it's a really, really good way of like reinvigorating the game while also and paying homage series, yeah. while also paying homage to like the first game with the mansion as well as its Supposed success, supposed predecessor, sweet home back in the NES uh, Famicom days. Mm, yeah, I, I have a lot a sense of that too. I mean, I managed to get myself, uh, my, I get my hands on the demo and, and I played the VR version of it. Mm-hmm. It works. I mean, like, I've been kind of lambasting VR for being like maybe fly by night technology. It's like probably going to go the way of 3D where it's like it's just a gimmick that or a trend that will like disappear. But yo, playing that game in VR. And the way things just attack you and jump at you and just how immersive and how much more intense the like the gameplay becomes is like I, I'm actually putting a I'm putting my like uh I'm gonna eat my own word my hat. I'm gonna eat my hat, I'm gonna eat my words. Like I think VR might be a thing. Uh, Especially well, with the, the quality of these games. For horror games, for me, yeah, that can work because jump scares and the sense of dread mm. when you're first person, that works. Yeah, it but, adds. Or maybe a slow kind of adventure game, but for others, again, we have to wait. It's more like a wait and see approach. Whether it's worth actually paying a four hundred, five hundred for an extra headset that may collect dust. You know, like the, the for for here in Singapore, like the the VR headset for the PlayStation, mm-hmm. that's a cool seven hundred dollars. That's another console. Yeah, I don't so, know. Yeah, like, I'm, I know, I'm so I know very skeptical about it. I mean, it's good I, for horror games. It's fine. I'm already scared enough of horror games. But I agree good. with you. I think the, the first thing that's going to deter a lot of new users, you know, is definitely the price point. Because it's like, once you can... I mean, I mean, I believe, like, unlike 3D, where, you know, it's obviously very gimmicky and it's not as immersive. But then, like, when you play something like VR, you know that sense of, like, video games where, like, oh, like, when the graphics get better or gameplay gets better, when your controller has more buttons, then you're, like, thinking, this is the future, this is the future. Yo, VR, to me, feels like this could possibly be the thing. This might be the staple or the new mainstream, but it has a very steep hill to climb. Because, like, I mean, in the terms of video games, in fidelity, in graphics, in the way we experience, look, and, like, you know, just consume video games and, like, a lot of culture is, like, I mean, like, 
just recently was like the whole 2K, 4K, like what resolution should we settle for? Yep. And now we're doing VR. And in VR is like, okay, it's a new level experience and you don't need that much fidelity. I mean, because it still looks pixelated. It still looks like a video game in some, you know, I mean, we're not look, going for true realism. We're just going for immersiveness. So I think like maybe f- like for 2017, it seems like uh, pushing the boundaries, finding the new like uh, horizon for technology or how we experience and consume like our favorite pastime video games, right? This looks really promising. So I'm going to segue into the Nintendo Switch. Mm. <laughs> because what do you think about the Switch? Is it going to be something innovative? <laughs> because it's going to drop really soon. And then like here we are, we just mentioned like, oh, we're big graphics, virtual reality, all this horsepower, all this technology. And then Nintendo's like, hey, we're like a mobile game. <laughs> we're like a tablet game too. We Speaking can't make of up downward spirals. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, oh my god, I don't know what to feel. <laughs> no, really? no, no. I, I don't want to be the guy to shit on things. And I won't because I feel that with the right amount of launch titles, the Switch, which everyone has seen already by now, mm-hmm. it could be a good thing for me. I'm going really? to be on the on the good I'm gonna play good cop here right now because this is something that you can port around, you can bring around. It's not meant to be it's not supposed to supplant the 3DS. It's supposed to supplant... Oh, I don't think anything will supplant the 3DS at this point. Yeah, nothing, nothing. <laughs> not this even the gonna, Vita. Well, except for mobile, anyway. iOS, Android. That but doesn't anyway, count. That, that, that is... No, it counts. And But that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, I but guess. anyway, the Switch is supposed to be like the in-betweener. It's supposed to be like, oh, I'm like that oddity. Imagine like Uber. These people, when it came out, people were like... Oh, something apart from getting cabs is that like is that such a service it's an outlier I think Nintendo Switch is trying to be that an outlier so it's a console it's not as super powerful as a Xbox One or a PS4 or even a PC mm-hmm. but I can bring it I can carry it around I can make it a portable thing I can play as well so it has it's, it's multi-talented I guess Multi-talented or multi-functional? I mean, like, okay. I think it's when you okay. say multi-talented, multi-fun- is like okay. each... It's a multi-functional kind of console. It's supposed to be like a first-party thing that had just happens to be multi-functional. But let's like, uh, probably nail... Okay, let's just uh, concentrate on this aspect. Like, so say we, it's multi-functional. Do you want it to be f- multi-functional and every aspect of its function... I mean, every function works flawlessly? Or do you want it to be like, okay, it's great as a console, as a tablet, eh, as like a, a, a mobile thing. It's still kind of janky. But then, will you use that as excuses to kind of like, you know, be apolog... Like, uh, do you want to apologize for Nintendo if they don't really pull it off? Mm, probably not. If it's a No, tablet. right, because there's a certain amount of quality and QAA we expect from a company like them, right? But you and I both know that if we're gonna buy this, it's probably just gonna be at home. I mean, if as I say, we're gonna carry it for a house party, sure. Yeah, why not. I mean, but all wait. these other functions, I don't know. Again, I would like to do that, but I'll probably do it within the first few months. But I'm not gonna care after that. Which is why I feel that Nintendo's library, um, especially the new Zelda game and Arms and Bomberman, Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah. That can help it. Yeah, they 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 can help elevate the console. But I want to ask you, I, think, I mean, you brought a very interesting point just now because the thing is, Nintendo seems to be kind of like having an identity crisis where it's now trying to uh, traverse between being a console and being a mobile platform or being like an outdoor gaming unit. And then, like, is it, do you think that's a misstep? I mean, like, based on your... I mean, like, you've been covering video games for, like, you know, almost a decade. So I'm, like, saying, like, 
uh, based on your experience, like maybe even also on your reactions, like when you consider something like the Wii U. Okay, no, like I know that the they've Wii? done a better job at marketing it than the Wii U. That's for mm. sure. That one, hundred percent. Maybe Nintendo America. I don't think Nintendo Japan. Like they, 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 to them, they're just like selling it like a normal Nintendo product. Yeah, but you gotta remember, um, there were actually some price points that came out for the Nintendo Switch accessory, and they are pretty expensive, dude. Like ninety bucks for this and that. It's extra controllers and all that. It's that's fucking insane, dude. Honestly. But then I don't think they even the sell PS4 like and I don't think even the Xbox One had expensive peripherals. I mean, you're talking about the Connect and the Eye. Come on. I just mentioned a $700 VR set. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, that's the extreme, all right? And But then the thing is, what you're talking about is like these extra peripherals could are necessary for play. Which are necessary. Yeah. Yes, you are right. This is going to probably make the... That's why the Nintendo Switch is not 299 It's basically that plus your extra controllers. Mm. That's it. That's gonna be messed up, dude. Maybe also we can also kind of mention the fact that I mean, like, usually like the success of any console. I mean, like if you just look at history, is is basically based on the games. Oh, the speaking of which, uh, there's yeah. no there's no bundle I know that actually packs in one two Switch and Legend of Zelda at all. Not not that I've known of. I mean, I've seen the bundle prices for the Nintendo Switch, the red and the if I recall mm. and then the black and then the grey black grey one like, they're just bundling colours they're not bundling games right yeah that's that's a bit sick honestly like like sick I mean they're literally trying to food. sell it like a phone you know what I mean it's like hey it comes in colours it's like uh, yeah but you're a console can you and I think I think that's probably the first misstep by not like having I mean granted they don't have a Mario ready yeah they, don't they, have, have, they have the Wii actually had a freaking tech demo ready with a bunch of like WarioWare party games, which is actually its modus operandi, you know. Yeah. Now this, I'm not sure. I mean, one two switch, one two switch is out. Zelda is out. Just Dance. I am Setsuna. Skylanders. Oh, and Super Bomberman R. Okay, which I mean, I'm looking may- forward maybe to. we'll talk about Super Bomberman <laughs> like on its own. Uh, but I will also let's say like you just mentioned games like I am Setsuna, like Just Dance, right? Which are like, already out. Of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The banning of Isaac Afterbirth is like you can't try to. You, these don't really count as launch titles because they exist in other platforms elsewhere. I mean, I, I think they also mentioned that like Skyrim is gonna be out on the the Switch, right? Yeah. And whoop de like, do, whoop de fucking do. And like really, <laughs> like the hardcore Skyrim guys are on the PC right now installing all the crazy mods with all the the crazy textures, right? And you can't I'll do that on the you, Switch. I'll bet you right now there's a guy who's actually playing Skyrim on his Nvidia Shield. With a controller <laughs> that looks like a Wii Nintendo Switch controller, uh, probably that too. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, also like uh, speaking of games that nobody really wants to play again, World of Goo. <laughs> I see it yeah, on the yeah, list that, that, of I like think that's you a know. Non-mention, but yeah. That's... Why you can play on a phone now? <laughs> okay, you also got, but also you gotta also consider people who are willing to buy a console for like two three games and then will place their bets, hedge they their hedge bets their fu- on future yeah. stuff. But the thing is, like, there has not been any announcements. Like, I would give props to the, the PS4 guys who are like, okay, we're going to promise you uh, God of War 4, uh, Z- Zero Dawn. Oh, I keep forgetting the title. Uh, Horizon Even- Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. Thank you very much. Uh, we- we're going to have Final Fantasy. We have the last Guardian. But in the like- meantime, play Knack. <laughs> you see, but, no, that, no, no. but okay, but that's the thing I'm bets, saying. Your bets, yeah. Like you, like even though you're like, okay, I'm gonna buy a PS4, and you better release those games. You know yeah. what I mean? In the meantime, Whereas, play Neck, 
play Infamous <laughs> Second Son, play this other Killzone game no one gives a shit like, about. Like, thank God we got Uncharted out just in time, you yeah. know? <laughs> and At then, least like, the Xbox One had a decent launch title. Dead really? Rising 3. Really? Yeah, that was good, dude. That was damn good. Better than Quantum Break? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. No, but I'm like saying like this. For the Nintendo Switch, right? It's like, the announcement is basically, hey, here comes the Switch. Look at the new way to play. Play with yeah, your yeah. friends here and there. Okay, what games do you have? Uh, Bomberman. Bomberman. Remember World of Goo? Yeah, now you can play on the Switch. Oh, remember. Okay, okay, I, okay, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt. I mean, come on. Super Bomberman, I hope it's good. Tetris versus Puyo Puyo, I hope that's good too. I think that should be a launch title, <laughs> I believe. Man, we should do an entire episode where we just gush about how much fun and like how, how long is we've been waiting for a new Bomberman game. <laughs> yeah, that's how old we are, guys. <laughs> oh my god, man. Like, I, I remember watching like, oh, Super Bomberman. Like, what? They bring that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, about them like you remember the, the multi tap with your Super Bomberman. We and Wii U didn't have Bomberman games. It's like and the Bomberman series is designed for that console. And I like, know that's just retarded, right? You know, like now you want to do a Bomberman game. Who who is the guy in the office who had to knock the guy on the head? Like, come on, to get this out of the way. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, here. Do you know the uh, last Bomberman game I played was Atomic? No, not Atomic, sorry. Uh, on the on on the tablet? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. It was the one on the Dreamcast, the cell shaded Bomberman. Dude, you just said Dreamcast, a, a console that died literally on the last day of the night of the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> that's how old we are, man. <laughs> that's basic. That's more than a decade ago. <laughs> but okay. Oh, no, going I, back, we're getting back on track. Nintendo Switch. What do you think? Your final thoughts before okay. we head on. I think I mentioned before, uh, I mean a few episodes ago, like how I will support the Switch just because I want Nintendo to still exist as a brand, you know? And the thing is, like, I'm, I'm starting to feel the, 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 that, that feeling where, come on, I, w- I really want you guys to succeed, you know? I mean, like this is how I felt when Sega dropped the Dreamcast. Like, okay, I'll buy it, but you better not fuck this up, man. Cause you better not die and make a good Sonic game. Look what oh. happened. <laughs> No, but here's the thing, right? Um, the thing about the Switch, right? It's the Switch is literally a reaction to the no sell, to the to the non success of the Wii U. I, I would I wouldn't say it was, it didn't do gangbusters, it didn't flop tremendously, but it kind of dented the company quite badly. I think the project has been underway. This was probably what Satoru Iwata wanted before it passed away, but really? in terms of it getting pushed out, yeah. not during Christmas, two thousand seventeen. That's the reactionary bit. That's the right. reaction. But the thing is, just based on the game launch titles that they've announced, right? Could it be like the why it didn't come out in Christmas? Because we got nothing to pl- like. You got nothing to play this with. Yeah. It's like here's a console. I mean, like remember when the N sixty four came out and the first game you had was like Pilot Wings. This is all. <laughs> you gotta wait a bit longer. Yeah, we gotta Trust wait a us. bit for, for Mario sixty four is gonna come, but play Pilot Wings first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there has been a Zelda launch title since. Forever, but is Link, the Link Breath of, of the Wild a launch title? I don't think so. I mean, no, you no, can no, play no, on no. the Wii U. No, 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 no. It's still considered a launch title. We thought that it is coming out for the Wii U. I mean, it still is, but it still for, is, yeah. So okay, for a proper, because the date, you know, it's actually a launch. You could say it's technically a launch title. That hasn't happened since Twilight Princess was came out on the GameCube first, definitely. Mm. So, uh, but it was not really a launch title on the GameCube either. Yeah, like, yeah I don't yeah. know. Like for it, me, like. I, I think Soul Calibur was probably a launch title for the GameCube when it I'm first came I'm talking out. more like Legend of Zelda. Like, when's the last time you heard of a Zelda as a launch title since... Since never, bro. Never, yeah. So. so, we'll take our <laughs> cake and 
if it if that's all it takes to sell a new Zelda game, go for it. Just Are there enough Zelda fans to keep this console afloat for the first quarter? Is that what I'm asking? Well, according to America, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people who buy it. Come on, Nintendo America sucks on Nintendo. The Nintendo's teat. We know this by now. Look, we're not. Well, I mean, in Asia, it's mostly Sega. It's mostly PlayStation. But for for America, it's always Nintendo. Nintendo's teats. Are you sure? Yes, you're I'm talking very, about very a country sure. that kind of voted for a dumbass. Okay, let's not go there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying this right. Uh, no, I mean I disagree. Like Asia, we're hardcore Nintendo people too. Yeah, but that's a small number. We've got that. That's a huge number of that. Come on. There's a huge number of people in America, in that country itself, Canada and America and North then, United States, that are brought up by Nintendo serials, by the goddamn cartoon, by the much hyped up advertisements that come out from. But this is not even the demographic that they're aiming the switch at. Yeah, but yet somehow, who's gonna be the first demographic? Who's gonna be the first country who's gonna buy Nintendo a lot apart from Japan? It's still gonna be America, dude. Well, I kind of agree because I think it is like it's a new economy. I mean, you also take the fact right that the the, the economy, the economical climate now, mm-hmm. is like it's it's a lot like a lot different for, like compared to back in the day. Because back in the day, it's like you either had the Sega or Nintendo, or you either had this or that. You know that there was always two consoles you had to play: PlayStation or Xbox. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe a GameCube. And then, and then like when the Wii came out, and then Nintendo like, was a big player then. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then like the thing is, I'm, I I don't even want to like gauge financials I don't even want to gauge like you know uh, what the opinion is or what the poll is like but the thing is right for me the switch I I'm very uncertain of what kind of impact is going to make in the video game uh, consumer market because basically like I think video game people I mean the people who buy and uh, you know consume video games right they're a different mindset nowadays mm. I mean like I don't think I mean a lot of them will I mean I Based on what I see, okay, not what I know, but it's like my feeling is like you know, like just based on the trailer, a lot of people are kind of complaining. What am I gonna play? Why am I gonna buy this? Yeah, you know, and why, why, why are you so like, goddamn expensive? So yeah. like, and another thing is like, it feels like the Wii, uh, when it first came out, where even though they were selling something based on a gimmick, they still had the Wii Sports, they still had like a Wii Bowling, they still had Wii Tennis, then eventually Wii Fit. And then yes, there's also a Mario game, you know, and one of the best Mario games ever made, Mario Galaxy. Yep. But at the same time, like you have this, like this is Nintendo trying to, I would say, um, like make lightning strike twice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it doesn't really feel like a product that they believe in. More like something they just need to kind of like show relevance or kind of show that we're still around. You know, we're doing something. We're not like these consoles. Like, look at how fun and quirky and lighthearted we are. And it's like, maybe too little, too late. I don't know. Because like like I said before, like, Nintendo is the perfect uh, console for the first, like, a first-time gamer. You know what I mean? Like, but you have to have the game. You have to have the Mario or the Zelda. Like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's a great introductory uh, platform for, like, first-time video gamers. And I feel that The Legend of Zelda can be that title to bring the Nintendo Switch back to forefront to, mm. you know, to the face of the public per se if it's a damn good Zelda game it has to I... be yeah okay as for a Mario title all that if they can somehow release like cause you gotta consider E3 coming up like in the next few months or so yeah there might be something they're like hiding right yeah yeah they're saving up they're probably their biggest stuff and their titles and the trump and cuts the release dates <laughs> the, the release dates for stuff yeah trump cuts but in, in the meantime what we're gonna get 
I think Nintendo is just super confident that Zelda can carry the Switch. Do you think so? It can, it can. At least mm. in America, at the very least. When is E3 going to be anyway? That's probably June. June, and then Tokyo Game Show after that, right? Yeah, Which yeah. could be the other... And let's also not forget, despite... Even though the Nintendo Switch is going to be out, and even if it does okay sales, mm-hmm. they still got the mobile part to sort of get their money from. <coughs> hey, I'm probably going to be playing so. uh, Fire Emblem Heroes by the time this podcast is out. <laughs> like, a lot. Because it basically just will... It will remind me of a... Of a gacha game, basically a gacha JRPG game. So tell you what, uh, maybe okay, let's wrap it up. So okay. your thoughts on Nintendo Switch? Like I also gonna kind of bring up like you know like Miyamoto hasn't come out and said anything yet. You know Reggie feels like he's just basically selling the product, but he, he's usually the guy who would like to drop big news. Yep. Like and then the thing is like we can always assume like there is definitely gonna be another Smash Brothers. There is gonna be another Mario Kart. There is Eventually, gonna be another Mario. Yeah. You know, so, like, maybe mo- there. I, I did a rant about this a while ago on the Soundscape channel. I did. I'm actually no a bit, plugs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually a bit uh, concerned. All the all those games I bought on the Wii U on the disc form. Oh I yeah, backwards compatibility. Not, yeah, I know that's gonna be that's gonna be shit. Oh, I hope man. they. I hope Nintendo changes their stance about that in the future. And you think they're going the way of the Sega finally? You know, uh, the master becomes the student I becomes God, the master. I hope not. No, no. Uh, yeah, I want Nintendo to last forever. Okay, yeah, Nintendo yeah. has affected so many generations of gamers, and it's, I'm I'm just nervous. I'm I'm not, I don't have any ill will towards them, and it's like they're one of my favorite video game companies, and I really want them to succeed, but at the same time, it's like, they seem to be like a company who's lost the direction. I mean, yeah, yeah. literally after Iwata died, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know who's in charge, and I don't know who's making decisions, but at the same time, you know, like you know, like. To me, like the the first uh, bad omen was like, oh, Mario's on a phone now. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. The Switch can probably be the game changer, maybe, because again, unique design, portability, stuff that you can carry. You get that party character vibe thing going on, uh, provided you have all the peripherals and all that. Just Nintendo may need to actually change their stances on the prices for the peripherals. Get the shit out, get the games out. Hopefully, they have a really good library by the end of the year, and they should be all right. I tell, I, I agree. I mean, like, I I can't really guess too much myself. You know, I'm just like you know assuming things. But like, you do feel. I mean, do you agree with me? Like, it needs a Monster Hunter. It needs a Pokemon. It, it needs something, right? Mm, I know, I know. Then it's like the console, but it's like, it, and the thing is, right? It's in, in a very. Jap- in Japan, they have a Dragon Quest couple of games on there, so that could that 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 will that will get Japan sorted out, I guess. Like like I I guess like like the only console right now that seems to be teetering on like you know, like you know falling into the abyss is probably the Xbox One, mm-hmm. because it's like you know Scalebound got cancelled and then like there's no real strong launch titles or new strong exclusives, and the PS4 seems to be. I mean, it's not doing gangbusters, but it's holding its own, and it's like you know, it's 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 just it's just the giant, uh, rock that you can't push, and like you know, the Switch is like probably like, the the only other console to provide the competition that PlayStation is probably like you know they're enjoying way too much of the, of the the market share now. But my thoughts on the Switch is like you know what. I mean, I can't. No matter what I say or what I do, you know, it's gonna happen, and uh, mm. I just hope Nintendo will. But at the same time, you know, like, I hope they don't become the company that forgets what keeps them afloat, and it's the fans, it's the games. Yeah, you know, it's maintaining the legacy, it's putting the right people in the right position, making the right decisions. So it's like, uh, I mean, I'm nervous. I just hope all the best, you know. 
but then at the same time, Nintendo are quite famous for being assholes once in a while. <laughs> they created their enemy. They created PlayStation. It's their fault, you know. But, um, but yeah, I, that's all, that's all I want to say much about the Switch. You know, like if it, when it comes out, we are definitely gonna get a, a a console in our hands. We're gonna support it as much as we can, and I I just hope all the best for Nintendo. Yeah. And those okay. are your parting words from Lord Shafiq. <laughs> Darth, I'm a Darth, damn Darth, it. Darth Shafiq, yes. Those are your parting words right now. So yeah, I think you can cap off this podcast. We can put it to a close. So I'm your co-host, Mr. Tafi. And I am the Switch bitch <laughs> Twitch. Uh, this is Darth Shafiq. <laughs> now witness the firepower of a fully functioning and operational podcast. <laughs> Signing out. Goodbye. time on the last king podcast the dynamic duo goes to tv land netflix avenue is the gently's holistic agency a busted lead or a mcguffin worth pursuing is voltron season 2 the cat's pajamas or cat scratch fever plus we venture deep into the muck of the oscars and more same time same last king channel yowza <laughs> <laughs>